The gospel this morning comes from St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. And we start at verse 30. So that's Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we um, thank you for your word and um, I pray that you will speak through me um, now and I pray that you would give us each ears and hearts that listen um, to your word today. Amen. So sometimes uh, um, some of the youth groups that I lead, we play a game as a bit of an icebreaker and the game's called Would You Rather? And you have to choose which thing you would rather. So have a think now. Um, I've got some examples for you. Would you rather wear wet socks forever 
or only be able to wash your hair once a week? Maybe easier for some than others to answer. Number two, um, would you rather never have internet access again or never be able to take an aeroplane ever again? Maybe slightly harder. Or number three, would you rather have great power or great love? You see, as the game suggests, there's always a trade-off and you have to think carefully why you choose which one um, that you do. And I asked the question about would you rather have great power or great love because it seems very hard for the two to come together. In our world, do great power and great love exist together? I thought about this and I trawled the internet for examples of them combining and I couldn't really find anything. And is that because in our world we choose one or the other and then they trade off against each other? A quote um, from Martin Luther King seemed to reinforce this idea that rarely do great power and great love meet. He says, One of the greatest problems of history is that the concepts of love and power are usually contrasted as polar opposites. Love is identified with a resignation of power and power with a denial of love. What is needed is a realization that power without love is reckless and abusive, and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. So still today, I think we rarely see love and power um, come together, and I wonder whether that's because it's rarely possible without God. And I hope as we unpack this passage today, we'll see that Jesus demonstrates great power, but this is overflowing from a great love. So let's have a look. We're in Mark chapter 6. And just to give some context to this passage, the disciples have just returned from their first mission. They'd been sent to teach um, from village to village, and they were given authority to drive out evil spirits. And it seems like because of their mission, they've gathered crowds of people. As well as this, at the same time, reports of John the Baptist, who's been beheaded at Herod's birthday banquet, would also have just reached the crowds and Jesus and his disciples. So it's pretty hectic. And Jesus, so Jesus tells his disciples, come with me, come and with me somewhere quiet so that we can talk and get some rest. And so Jesus and his disciples set sail in a boat and they're heading for a solitary place. I imagine they're pretty shattered. They've been on the road for for some time. Um, They've traveled from place to place. They've been giving out. They've been working hard. And they're in need of some downtime with Jesus. They need some space. They need a retreat. But the people, the crowd they've attracted also have a need. The crowds of people who saw Jesus and his disciples leaving on the boat run after them. These people are looking for a leader, a new king. We know that the current king, Herod, is in his palace miles away, having a great time partying, using his power to behead prophets. These people are looking for a new king, a new leader. And they're so desperate for this that they chase Jesus down. They put in a lot of effort. They run on foot, which must have been for several miles in the heat from town to town, gathering crowds as they go. 
and they get to that solitary place before Jesus and his disciples. And it seems that they're willing to go to this much effort because they know that they need something, someone, something different to what they have now. They've seen snippets of Jesus' power, and he's different. And I think they're chasing Jesus down, hoping, wondering whether Jesus will be that person that they've been looking for. Maybe someone with power and love. As we look around our homes, our workplaces, Cutslow, our city, and the world, and even to ourselves, we probably see people like this. Lost, searching, desperate, looking for something, looking for a leader, looking for a different way. And often not looking in the right places, but people seem to really want this. Perhaps you too can or have related to those feelings of desperation that the 5,000 men seem to show. For the disciples, um, when they see that crowd waiting for them on the shore... I expect their hearts sink. They wanted solitude, and they're met with 5,000 people. Perhaps a similar feeling you might get just as you're heading home from work, and someone says, can I just talk to you? Or at the weekend when your phone goes, and someone's ringing, can I have some help from you? Desperate for a rest, away from the crowds, and they're greeted by 5,000 people. But Jesus is different. He meets the crowd in an unexpected way. Jesus' heart doesn't sink when he sees the thousands of people. In verse 34, um, we read, When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has a really deep love, a deep compassion for those people, because he sees their desperation their need for guidance, provision, leadership. And we know this phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is used several times in the Bible to describe people in the wilderness, people who are lost and in need of a leader. So what does Jesus' compassion look like practically? Well, first we see that his deep compassion leads him to start teaching many things. These people are desperate, they're lost, they're in the wilderness, they're sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus meets them with compassion that is himself, his words, his truths, his teachings, his teachings of his kingdom ways. It doesn't say exactly what Jesus was teaching them, but we know from Isaiah 55 verse 2 that God's words are good, they're nourishing food to us that satisfies God's words are both loving and powerful. And it's in this way that Jesus gives of himself to firstly show compassion. He's nourishing and guiding the people with his word. These people, they chased Jesus down because they were desperate. They were in need of a different leader. They came to him and he met them with compassion, with his truths. When we are so often looking for something different, when we're feeling lost, do we really chase Jesus down? Do we come to him desperate for him? Do we come to his word hungry for truths, teaching and nourishment? 
And when we do that, do we know that Jesus meets us with great compassion in this way? And when we know this, I think then, um, as followers of Jesus, we have a challenge that we can be more like Jesus. And instead of our hearts sinking when we see the crowds, or maybe just an individual, how then can we meet people who have a great need and a deep, a deep need with real love and compassion? A compassion that means we share and teach God's powerful truths and kingdom ways. How might we do this for people we meet that are Christians or maybe those people we meet that are not, people that are more lost and wandering, looking for something more? Jam um, is one of our youth groups and um, that you heard a little bit about on the video. And it's an opportunity in the week um, when we have the opportunity to share God's word um, with the young people that come. And a few weeks ago at Jam, um, one young girl was in tears that um, some boys had called her names, spoken stuff to her that she was fat and stupid. And um, this term at Jam, we've been, um, each term we have a different theme. And this term, the theme's been, if God could send you a text message, what might it say? And um, a few of the weeks, they've been on different text messages. So um, the week before it was, Um, God says I know you and the week before that was I made you and so this young girl was sat on the floor crying and I was filled with a deep compassion for her I could get her a tissue and be kind to her and which is what I did but that was just showing her love but I also felt really led to share and remind her of some of the truths of God's powerful um, word that those comments that those um boys had said to her were not true but the truths that God says of of us are true and those are the ones that we need to listen to so I was able to remind her um, that just in the last few weeks at Jam we'd heard that she's known by God she's made by God she's loved and she's special and unique and um, in that conversation she was able to kind of get herself together and carry on with the evening Um, And whether she's a Christian or not, I think she's probably exploring and seeking something more. Um, But in that moment, um, she heard those truths, those powerful truths of God's word. Um, And I pray that in the long term, um, those truths would have a real impact. So when we see people in desperate situations, when we're moved with a deep compassion for them, How can we bring God's love and power to them through speaking God's truth to them? So that's the first point. Jesus meets the people with a deep compassion that leads him to teach his loving and powerful truths. Secondly, um, Jesus' deep compassion also leads him to use his power to provide for their practical needs. The people who have run to this remote place, um, they've now listened to Jesus for several hours and now they've got a very practical but essential need. They're hungry. And Jesus' disciples highlight that to him. In verse 36, they say, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples want Jesus to send the people away There's nowhere around there for food. It's quite a practical suggestion from the disciples. But again, Jesus responds differently, perhaps unexpectedly. 
You give them something to eat. The disciples must be thinking, oh no, seriously, we can't do that. That's too hard. Come on now, is what the youth say. We can't do it. But they do as they're told. They gather the five loaves and two fish and Jesus performs this miraculous act, enabling just five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people with 12 baskets of leftovers. It's amazing. It's an amazing miracle demonstrating Jesus' power, but a power that's fueled by a great love, a great compassion for the people in front of him. I wonder, as we seek Jesus, desperate for his compassion, his truths, and his word, do we believe that he also has the power to change and meet our practical needs in our different situations? In our work in Cutslow, um, we aim to see holistic transformation. We want to see um, Jesus' love and power transform all areas of life. And that's why we teach God's truths, God's powerful word. But that's why we're also concerned with people's practical needs. That's why some of our work um, that we do in partnership with other organizations focuses on more of a social, emotional and physical transformation. Um, There's one lady in Cutslow who has a particular um, family situation that needs a lot of practical support. And over the years, we've been able to help her and support her in practical ways, um, going to meetings with her, advocating for her, giving advice. But she um, has also asked that... um, people at Cutso Connected pray for this situation and she herself prays and prays and prays that God will transform this family situation. And um, one Sunday afternoon in the summer holidays, this lady came into me, her face was beaming um, because she'd had some good news and that doors were opening and the situation at home was really changing. And she was thrilled and so thankful to God. And so we prayed and we thanked God there and then that his power and his love was practically changing um, that situation. So Jesus meets his people um, in our needs, in our wilderness, with great compassion that can overflow into Jesus using his great power to practically transform situations. Jesus does that himself but he also uses us, his people, to help bring change to people's situations. I wonder, are we open um, to being used by Jesus to bring his love and power to help change people's practical situations? And when we pray, when we really seek Jesus, do we ask for his love and power to change practical situations? Do we pray believing that it can really happen? If we leave this passage here, it's a short-term solution. These people are still in need of a leader, and they're going to be hungry in a few hours. This event isn't a long-term fix for their needs. But right now, in this passage, as we see so often in Jesus' ministry, this is a sign that where Jesus' love and power meet, God's new kingdom is breaking in. It's a taster of God's kingdom. 
This event does echo the past miracles of God providing for his people in the wilderness and of his ongoing faithfulness and provision. But it's also a taster and a sign of God's new kingdom. For the crowds then, but for us as well and for them, it also points to the future, the great banquet in the kingdom of God that's only possible through the long-term solution, which which for us we know and it's easier to understand. The long-term solution, um, when Jesus looks on all of his people with great compassion, all his people in need of a new king, a new way, and with great practical needs, and where he performs a great act of compassion, where love and power meet and are ultimately demonstrated in Jesus' death and resurrection. When at the cross, Jesus actually offers himself as the permanent bread of life, which makes way for us to be part of his whole new kingdom, which then means that we aren't just able to have a taster of God's kingdom, but that we'll be able to experience it in all its fullness. As people who are part of God's kingdom, as followers of Jesus, We who know that we've been given so much. We who have tasted that new permanent bread of life. We know that God provides all things. And so that enables us to freely celebrate this, particularly at harvest. And so then we're able to freely share and give our material bread and our material things back to God. And that's what we as a church do amazingly and um, in our support of Cutslow in this way. And we're so thankful um, that as a church we're generous and able to share our material things and give back to God's work um, in this way. But also as people of God's kingdom, and as we think about Cutslow today, and as we think about being a church that wants to grow God's family in North Oxford and beyond, And you might think about your own homes or workplaces or clubs um, or friendship circles that you're part of. I just want to reiterate these challenges to myself um, and to you. That that same compassion and love that Jesus meets the crowd with, that powerful truth he speaks to the crowd, he can do that now through us. Jesus is alive His spirit is here. His spirit is in us, his followers. How can we then be used by Jesus to bring tasters of God's kingdom so that in the short term, people can see and experience God's love and power, but in the long term, that they would choose to be part of it? I want to just leave us with some of these questions um, that I've already asked, but for us to think and to pray about. How can we meet people with compassion by speaking God's word of love and power to them? Are we open to be used by Jesus um, with his power and love in us to show compassion by practically bringing change to people's situations? And do we pray believing that Jesus with his love and power can practically transform situations and lives? I'll just pray for us now, but I'll leave the questions up for us to have a a think about that. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you that we see your love and power meet in an amazing way. Thank you um, for your compassion on us. And we pray that you would speak to us now at how you might want to use us um, or challenge us to bring more of your kingdom here. That your kingdom might come in Cutslow, in Oxford and beyond. Amen.